So, um, kind of a little interesting, isn't it, that uh, this, this uh, lesson is entitled Power and Love, because, you know, some of us, uh, certainly a lot of people in Texas and then still in Oklahoma, too, have lost power, and we kind of love to have power, <laughs> keep our uh, furnaces, our, uh, the blowers on our furnaces going, keep the house warm. Um, so I, I, I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Um, could I get a volunteer to uh, read our first section here, the introduction section? Starts with love and power. Mr. Sean? Hello? Love and power. Power and love. These are the themes of perhaps two-thirds of the novels, plays, and poems ever written. The love of power has laid waste continents and empires. The power of love has driven weak people to do powerful things and not infrequently. Powerful people to do foolish things. These are the forces which shape our lives, our homes, our countries, our politics, our world. Thank you, sir. It reminds me of that, uh, that song from, um, I know, from Back to the Future. Power of Love, you guys remember that song? Dating myself maybe a little bit. So what examples of the love of power or the power of love have you seen or experienced? That, that, that's our open question, isn't it? Um, and that sets the stage for this, for this lesson. What examples have you seen of the love of power or of the power of love in your life, in your experience? Art? Well, his, is it on? It's on. Is it on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, history, is, history books are filled with the love of power. There's, there's no end of it from the time that recorded history is out there. Uh, men wanting to have power and, and dominate other people through it and with it. And the, the, it seems that in our uh, admonitions through Christianity, the love, uh, while it may have a, a larger uh, application, lots of times it has to do with us interfacing individually with other people or a small group of other people. And it's humility, not so much demonstrating uh, my military force or my um, charisma and the influence that I can influence in, 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 in a physical way. It yeah. is indeed spiritual. That's a really good point. Fran? Sean Rinker. Now you know the name of the book, the movie, but the movie where the man who was a medic who saved, I think it was 72 or 75 people during battle. And I, all he was saying the entire time is, Lord, just one more. Mm-hmm. Lord, just one more. And to me, that's a power of love. Yes, what was that movie? Something Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, that's what it was. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that movie, it's an amazing true story of a man just wanting to save just one more uh, every time. Uh, Ken, did you have your hand up? I remembered, sorry. (laughs) Okay, here's what I had written down. There are many examples of people obsessed with power, with the love of power and virtue, and virtually all of them lead to self-destruction, lots of destruction along with themselves. Power of love that I've experienced First is the power of Jesus, forgiving me so much. And he's always there willing to forgive and guide me to the next level. The next example is my wife. Also willing to put up with me and help me to grow. You looked at my notes here. Because I have I have it. Basically the same, and my, I have two paragraphs here. I haven't shared my wife yet, but I won't embarrass her by giving the big list. But, yeah, I mean, um, power of the love of our wives, of husbands, of family, children and parents, all of that overcomes so many difficulties, doesn't it? So many challenges, because we're all prickly at times, and we're all difficult at times. And it's only with love that we can kind of stick together. Any other thoughts? Anybody else have a, some examples? 
This is a tricky one. It's, it's kind of hard to have a personal example that might not be too revealing, isn't it? You know? David? Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, I've had an, an opportunity to experience that just this past week, the love of the church. Yep. And we, uh, we, we don't think about that until something happens, you know. And it's, it's not because we're being inconsiderate, but when, when things happen to us, when we come into challenges and our church family gather around us and support us, that's pretty amazing. we finish that without being emotional. That's all right. <laughs> it's okay. So many, so many people in the church and even out of the church that uh, since I had an accident last week that have really offered to come to our, our rescue and people have called and emailed and done other things and some of them even offered to take us to the store take us to the doctor and, and Fran does not drive on ice and snow at all and yesterday was the first time we've actually got out and she took me to the surgeon to get a you know find out exactly what's going on and uh, you know it really meant a lot to us you know for the love that the people in the church All right, so moving on, um, in uh, question one, uh, so we have our, you know, our reading really for, for this, this part of the study. Could I get somebody to read Ephesians three fourteen through 21? Mark? Okay, yeah, um, I've got a little heading here for this section, appreciation of the mystery, it says. So, 14 through 21, right? Uh, yes, sir. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that, we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Mark. So power and love are the themes that run through the great prayer that Paul prays for young Christians to whom he is writing. And it's kind of interesting. I never really noticed it as being a prayer. But of course he said, I bow my knee, right? And so he's getting into that, that uh, position to pray. What is Paul's frame of mind when he prays this prayer? And it, it gives us a clue there of uh, verses 14 and 15. Sean? I just put that he was being reverent and humble before the Lord. Reverent and humble, yep. Anyone else? The other Sean. I have that on earth and in heaven we are all families. We are our creator. Yep. I had put Paul's frame of mind when he prays this prayer was filled with praise and wonder uh, for what God has done and is doing. And he's, he's, he's worshiping. Uh, he's bowing in worship in this prayer too. Reg? His frame of mind is that of being receptive. We must learn how to receive gifts as well as to, uh, to give them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something I hadn't realized till we're just kind of going over right now, but he talks about the family. I think Paul had gotten the revelation, and he's trying to get it across as best he knows how, with the Spirit's help, of that we're all in one family. And he's preparing himself to try to get that across in his prayer as he prays and as he's talking to these young believers that we're all in the family no matter who you are. So he's he's got a frame of mind of unity, I think. Yeah. It kind of strikes me as being a, a 
I mean, there's so many places, obviously, in what we call the New Testament that uh, makes this, this clear, but he, it's very strong to me that he is telling us this isn't a remote God. This isn't just a creator that set things in motion and just walked away. This is a personal God that loves us individually, right, and has that family, one-on-one, father-son, father-daughter relationship. So, yeah, it's very powerful. Um, could I get somebody to read the, the next section here after, after uh, question one? There is nothing perfunctory about Paul's worship and prayer. One gets the sense here and elsewhere that his life revolved around it. This, we may suppose, is part of the secret of the extraordinary power that seemed to flow through his preaching, his pastoral work, and his writing. The church in the Western world has perhaps allowed itself to be lulled into thinking that prayer and action are at opposite ends of the scale of Christian activity. On the contrary, those who want their actions to be effective for God's kingdom should redouble their time and effort in prayer. Prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays and the flowing of power from God to and especially through that person. This is what Paul's prayer here is all about. Essentially, it is a prayer that the young Christians may discover the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So then he asks the, uh, the question, he says, Paul's first request is that God would strengthen and empower them in their inner beings. What resources does God have to do this? It's, it's interesting that in this uh, this verse here, it's, uh, he's asking that they um, that the riches of his glory, which is unboundable, <laughs> yeah. So for us, um, and and this is a prayer for us uh, today. I mean, it's not a prayer for them because they're all waiting for the resurrection. It's a prayer for us. Yeah. So when we take it personally, we can see um, how wonderful. Um, his um, his feelings are for the the, um, the Ephesus church, but also down through the ages, his feelings for others. So, the the glory that he uh, wants us to to realize and be in our life, and then that might of of the Spirit that works in us, is also something part of that prayer. is so vital. Um, that I think he, especially as you look through his other writings, he. He sees that. He sees the power of the Spirit working in an individual. So, yeah. Did, did you find it difficult to answer this question? A little bit? Reg? Um, the resources he uses, of course, are his, the Spirit that dwells with us mm-hmm. and the faith and love that we have between it. But that requires one thing, and that it requires honesty. If we're not honest in, in our prayers to the Spirit, therefore not. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, Art? Yeah, I was just going to say, that, uh, to tag along with Reggie, the Holy Spirit, and then I was looking at the application, uh, how he uses other people and situations uh, wherein he can... Uh, help us to learn to love by the things that we go through with other people and situations. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the part that I had down here for the answer, uh, or part of my answer, was um, the limitless power of the Spirit, which we get into a little bit later, I think, in one of the, the last couple of questions. Um, but... I find that in my mind I limit that because you know I'm praying for a certain set of things 
that I think are the objectives, right? Or the best outcomes. <laughs> My vision is way narrower and smaller and more obscured than God's. And so I almost had a hard time with this question um, because I know from the verse, it's, it's, this is part of the answer. But from practical experience, we so often put those constraints when we pray. Um, and so, you know, learning how to do otherwise is, is, I think, part of the challenge. So what does it mean to be strengthened in your inner being? Ken? Or Ken, then Art. means that we have our trust in, in God gets stronger. We, we're, uh, we grow more and more in our relationship with him so that we're able to do more and doubt less. That's, to me, the strongest part is to get rid of the doubt. Yeah. To trust, you know, and ask without doubting and then to act on it and the closer we get and the longer we do it the better we're able art yeah uh, to tack along with that uh, to me to be strengthened in your inner being is to become uh, have more faith be more trusting have more confidence in him to be fearless when stepping out when you have a doubt inside of you you pray to him you go with that and you ask for his guidance and direction and then keep your mind open to the path that he is directing you to take. And this helps uh, us to understand his view and develop his view mentally. Yeah. Right. The prayers we hear in public are basically ceremonial, but our private prayers are completely different. They are really... Uh, well, God's not a genie. He doesn't just grant wishes, okay? <laughs> it is really a conversation that we have, hold with him during prayer. And in the process of having that conversation, we actually build up a relationship with him. And it's that relationship that is the strength of our inner being. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's so very different if you think about it from the terms of when we're having conversations. I mean, it is a conversation. It is building that relationship. But, you know, most of our conversations in life are with other human beings, right? Uh, and maybe a dog or two uh, for, uh, for those of us that have those. But not all of our communication is uh, with God through that clear statements of communication. Uh, I think some of the most definitive moments, certainly in my prayer life, is when I don't have the words. And the Spirit makes that intercession, right? with those yearnings that cannot be explained or uttered or there are emotion that has no words. There's a desire that has no description. Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's also using the power of God's Spirit in us as we pray, not just looking for it externally, because I think that's a lot of what this lesson is about. It's about recognizing that we should be filled with God and filled with His power. And that we are engaging in it and actively using that in our in our prayer life as well. Any other thoughts? You know, this side of the room, you guys are losing. They're 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 getting all the answers over here. Anybody over here? No other thoughts on this question? Okay. Okay. So question number four, what are Paul's next prayer requests? What are Paul's next prayer requests? Mark? Yeah, I think my answer here is kind of going to tie into the next question too in the sense of trying to put on the character of Christ. Um, that is what Paul in some ways has asked them to do, that Christ may live in our hearts. And if you're grounded and rooted in love, that is what Jesus epitomized. He was. Every time we read about him approaching other people, and you can just see that the love was emanating from him, whether he was about to heal somebody 
or raised Lazarus from the dead after weeping after his friend Lazarus died. So if we can just get 1% of the love that he had, that Christian love for our brothers and sisters, um, then we're well on the way. And I think that's what Paul's praying for here, or part of what he's praying for, for the people in Ephesus. Yeah, I, I like your way you said that. Just If we could just approach every person in love, I'd be just... <laughs> Take a moment and stop and approach every person in love. Not that we're approaching them in hate, but being more deliberate and approaching in love. That would be life-changing, wouldn't it? If everybody did it. Any other thoughts? Keith? Well, I'm just trying to figure out, as Paul says, that your heart's through faith that you be rude and ground love because I think what we're saying is it's obvious we're to love everyone and to do it until intentionally but he's saying it starts with faith and I think it takes faith to love people to know that God gives us the ability to do it he said he fills our hearts with his love he pours it into us when we are part of his when we're adopted into the family but still takes faith then to, to walk out and to love someone else and not be worried about how they're going to react back to us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a fear there, right? There's a vulnerability somehow, or at least we think there is. But I wonder if there really is a vulnerability. Uh, it, is that in love or is that in just our human weakness? And we feel vulnerable when we're expressing and sharing that love and it's maybe not going to be reciprocated. I want to pick up on the particular words that say um, being rooted and grounded in love. But this indicates that we are stable, secure, not wavering in the process. Um, it gives us a solidarity that, um, and a security that, that's, that lets us approach anything with confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that Paul tells us what love is, you know, and what um, it, it, it shows forth in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. If we go through that and we look at, you know, it suffers long, um, is kind, uh, envies not, um, vaunts not itself, uh, it's not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly. So when we look at what Paul says here in Ephesians and we go over to 1 Corinthians, then we can actually see what it takes to be grounded in that particular type of love in, in, our, in our life. So moving to, to question five then. Um, this is five, right? Yes. What characterizes someone in whom King Jesus dwells? Huh? It was? No, we just did four. But they're connected. What characterizes someone in whom King Jesus dwells? Um, I have um, the example Christ set. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we can fully understand and do this, this is what Christ wants for us. Steve? Um, A basic one that Jesus said, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I had... um, It is someone who comprehends and knows the vastness and depth of the love of God. And uh, they themselves are filled with his fullness, with God's fullness that is his love and power. And when I wrote that, I'm thinking it's a process, right? Because uh, we don't yet understand all the vastness and the fullness and so on, but we are trying, right? Through this Bible study, we're trying. Through continual prayer and praise and 
lessons and, and, and work in the Word of God and His work in our lives. We are learning day by day, right, the, the vastness and the greatness uh, of God's power in us. Did I see another hand over here? No? Any other thoughts? All right, let's read the next section. People talk easily, perhaps too easily, about inviting Jesus into your heart or having Jesus in your heart. The danger here is that it's easy for people, particularly when they are soaked in the culture of Western-style individualism, to imagine that being a Christian consists simply in being able to feel or believe that Jesus has somehow taken up residence within. In fact, Paul speaks far more often of Christians being in Christ than of Christ being in Christians. It's important to see individual experience within the larger picture of our membership in God's family in the Messiah when the worldwide plan Paul has been talking of in these uh, three chapters. So what does Paul pray that love would be their root? Why does Paul pray that love would be their root and their firm foundation? Mark? (coughs) Yeah, I think the theme here a lot for Paul is, and a lot of his letters, is this theme of trying to become more like Christ and whether that be in our character, in our everyday life, our uh, attitude. It's It's an ongoing process, like you said a minute ago, but being grounded and rooted in love that's where it all begins um, and I think it's just an ongoing process where we're continually working, trying to grow and I think that's the message throughout all of his letters and particularly here in Ephesians yeah. Dollar? As I'm reading this I'm wondering if it's because with love there's commitment that the love would bring the commitment to this mm-hmm. Uh, my answer I put on here is very similar to Mark's, but I basically just put to have a deep love for one another and a strong, deep roots like a tree growing with maturity with God to be more like him. We've got those roots going very deep to make sure that we're looking out for each other and uh, just having a deep love for each other when something happens, we're right there helping and doing what we can, praying for them also. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very powerful image, I think, that, that N.T. Wright puts in that, that paragraph there because when we do consider Christ being in us, and that's not necessarily bad, we're carrying him around with us. Um, that has a certain function uh, in our faith. But, but imagining ourselves being grounded in Christ and any step away from that, we're pulling ourselves out, right? So Steve mentioned before about Obeying the commandments of God. That's one of the attributes of staying grounded in Christ Jesus. He did it. We should do it. And we're grounded in him. Right? We're, we're the branches. You know, and it goes back to that, that imagery. So I think it was really useful for me. It, and it has become a flippant you know, uh, term in many ways. Uh, certainly in wider Christian communities. Oh, I invited Jesus into my heart. Oh, that's great. And, and there may be some genuineness there. I, I don't know. I can't see into their, their, their you know, soul. But being grounded in Christ is, is a different proposition, I think. Uh, I know that's not exactly the question, but... And then the more we know about Paul, that he knew the Scriptures frontwards and backwards, and now he's come in contact with the scriptures when he came in contact with Christ mm-hmm. and it's like it's all different now it's like okay all of us Pharisees we knew what the scripture said but now we have to actually see it in how it actually acted out and now we're supposed to be like that so it, I think it put skin which the Lord did it put skin on the word of God that they all had in their hearts as far as in their heads maybe but yeah. I just think Paul's trying to get across to these believers listen this goes far deeper than a bunch of words on paper that we've been reading about, you know, forever. Yeah, far deeper than you ever thought or imagined, right? Yep. 
Uh, finally, in, verse, in uh, question seven, says, finally, Paul prays that they will know God's love. How does he describe that love? Verses 18 and 19. How does Paul describe God's love? This is an easy one. You can just turn to the scripture and read it. Reg? Okay, this is to, to that love is, has a, to know the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. That means it is infinite. It goes on forever in all directions. Um, but I'd like to address something with the, uh, to fill in the, the inviting Jesus into our heart. I understand the analogy, but I think a better one would be abide with me to invite Jesus into our home so he becomes effectively our roommate. Yes. And if he's our roommate, there are certain things you don't do that you might do otherwise. That's right. That's right. I think it, is it C.S. Lewis that had the imagery of God moving in and he's going to move the furniture, he's going to knock out walls, he's going to change the decoration, get rid of the junk. It isn't a, uh, a painless process, is it? Uh, but yeah. So verse 18 and 19 um, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, and just thinking about that, I mean, yeah, that's the answer, but understanding that limitless love should give us a better insight into how God views us. He feels all of that. He believes all of that. He knows all of that love for each one of us individually. There is absolutely nothing we can do in any way, shape, or form to stop him loving us. Human beings, there are some very special human beings in our lives that might be very close to that. But this is beyond all other love, all other relationship. And I just think that's so powerful. Steve? Yeah, it goes back to the willingness of the father and the son um, to, for the son to sacrifice his life that we might have eternal life. I mean, there's the there's the understand uh, the uh, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height for us to comprehend the fact that they were going to be willing to give us eternal life in the kingdom. That is the true love that he was willing to sacrifice his life, and the Father was willing to allow that to happen for us, for our eternal salvation. It's, it's wonderful. In question eight, he asks, what difference can a fuller understanding of God's love make in specific ways, like how we interact with others, how we view ourselves, how we manage our finances, and so forth? So what difference can a fuller understanding of God's love make in specific ways in our lives? Go ahead. If we do things uh, obeying the law and these sorts of things along the way, then they are, that's a manifestation of it. But if it's done because it is the law, it, it, it loses some of its significance. Rather, let those behaviors emerge as a product of the love itself. Okay? Not just something you that would be more genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? Any specific examples? It's kind of a, a tricky question. You know, some of these are, we might be revealing some things about that we're um, not doing that we want to do. Uh, but it's, it's worth sharing. It's worth getting that out. 
Any any other thoughts? Keith? Well, in the area of finances, I think it's about priorities, and so priorities are all different. When you're looking at God-oriented viewing of your life and your finances, it becomes how can I use the gifts he's given me when he brings the finances in? How can I use It's not about what can I gain, right. but it's what can I give now that he's given to me. What? How can I? You know, I'm constantly asking the Lord, show me what opportunities you want me to use the finances you've given me for, yeah. whether it be you know some people in my family or somebody I don't even know. So yeah, it's so it's so crazy fun when you give something to somebody, and then you see a reaction, and you don't tell them that you gave them something. In other words, you don't let them know you did it, and but you hear about how they reacted, and that's the thing I think God wants us to see is that that's what He does all the time. He does. Yeah. Sean. In interacting with others at work, again, I hear a lot of people say, I hate people. And I have to constantly say, well, I love everyone. It doesn't mean people doesn't make it hard. Because <laughs> they do. Uh -huh. But I'm, I'm to love everyone equally, no matter what. It, it doesn't matter if they come in with the more money or they're coming in counting pennies. And we've had some attitude fly about certain things and to try to stay in that stable stable rooted grounded area it, it can prove to be very difficult so yeah definitely dealing with others is where our, my hardest work is with this yeah yeah uh curtis at the back and then uh, mark thank you i think that uh can you repeat that specific question real quick just to make sure my thoughts are in line? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long question. What difference can a fuller understanding of God's love make in specific ways in our, in our life? Yeah, okay. And a lot of people have been talking about uh, how that kind of manifests itself in, in just daily activities. And so what kind of prompted me to think about this is looking at the question from another point of view. Um, Everything that's been said is right on the money. I mean, 100%, you know, the way we act with our finances, the way we act with whatever gifts or blessing that God's given us, you know, and, and having the mindset of thinking first, you know, what can I do to honor and glorify God first, you know, with whatever God's given me. But at the same time, uh, this just kind of reminds me of how important it is to manifest that love of God and that love of Christ, which passes knowledge, because I think that in a way, when I look at just, you know, our culture today, there's a lack of it. And it's really hurt the witness of the church because people see it. People see, you know, uh, the professions that someone may have, but maybe the way that they act. And so I just kind of go back to, you know, the love of Christ, the idea of the light of the world and being the light of the world and, you know, responding to people with the love of Christ as it's in us, as the fullness of the love of Christ is in us and how much of a difference that will make in our witness to people. And sometimes I think that can just manifest itself in really subtle ways on maybe the way we act with people at work at a park at a store you know you're 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 waiting 20 minutes 30 minutes for your meal to come out you know and the grace <laughs> that you bestow upon the waitress or the waiter or the cook or whatever all of those little things i think uh, accumulate to uh demonstrate that we are to you know, act differently, where to be differently. And so those are just some ramblings I had, but some thoughts that kind of were stirred based on this question. Mark? Yeah, and, and my thoughts were, actually, Curtis mentioned some of them, and so did um, Sean there a moment ago, in the sense of how in this current world there is a lot of, lot of hate and a lot of anger and bad feelings between people to each other that in my daily job, 
sometimes it does become difficult to show a Christian love and express it or have an attitude that it that it a Christian attitude because many of the time I've come into a situation where I've had to walk away whether it's seven or eight guys with potty mouths talking in a regular way or um, a customer who's mad and angry with something I delivered that was already damaged that I couldn't do anything about <laughs> it's it's hard to um, have an attitude to help this person and to get the job done as it were but it's also trying to be a better person and with Christ living in us it, it's it's like you said earlier it's a process we're striving to be better and if we can do that in our daily lives whether it be in our finances or our interactions with one another um, we are becoming definitely better people there, there is one area that I wanted to point out, and I, I don't know <coughs> if you thought about it, but I, I, you know, all the answers are, are good, and these are the things that we want to do, right? But the only way I think that we can truly love others, truly uh, maybe blessed with our finances, uh, blessed with our interactions and, and how we treat other people, is when we fully embrace and understand how God loves us. Because if we're not accepting of that, if we maybe reject that a little bit, or a lot, you know, that, well, I might be the only soul. There's a, there's a really powerful song. Is that it, I might be the only sinner that God couldn't save. And I, I, I feel like that's probably uh, a theme that we're, we're familiar with. It's so important in order for us to give that love that we accept it, right? And that's, I think, a lot of what and Wright is trying to get us to pull out of this is being filled with the fullness of God means to be full of his love for us first. Not in a selfish way, not ahead of anybody else, but so that we can then share that love with others. We can be that patient. We can give those gifts. Uh, I, I think it's just a really, really powerful lesson. Looking at the clock, I really would like us to get to uh, question 10. So um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just skip over uh, 9 and go to 10. How are verses 20 and 21 an appropriate ending to this prayer? And just to give us a reminder there, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. How are verses 20 and 21 an appropriate ending to this prayer? Anybody have any ideas? Keith? I think Paul realizes probably a lot of his listeners or readers are going, well, this is impossible. Or maybe saying, well, it's easy for you, Paul. You're a Pharisee. You've studied. You've been in the church. Yeah. And like we kind of look around at people and say, well, that person, it's easy for them. Their life has been whatever. Mm-hmm. I think what Paul's saying is he, God goes exceeding above anybody's expectations, even Paul's. Yeah. I mean, Paul was one that said, you know, I'm the least of all of the sinners. Not just least of sinners, but all of the sinners. <laughs> and so I think the point is he wants us to get almost that hope and that dreaming, that vision, that even your highest expectation of, I think someone, Mark, might have said, if we can just get 1% of his love working in our lives, I think Paul's saying God wants to do so much more than we can ever even ask, think, or believe. So, Yeah, yeah. Other thoughts? Okay, so I put Mark ten twenty seven. It reassures us that with God all things are possible. We cannot of ourselves be saved or act like God. Yeah. Yeah. To me it goes back to that what I said earlier about just putting these constraints that my prayers are limited to what I think the answer is. 
uh, you know, and, and the way in which I see the problem. Uh, I'm taking a moment. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a way of praying where we actually uh, do something <laughs> that I don't do very often, which is shut up and listen. You know? Um, okay, make that prayer, but then, not in Jesus' name, amen, move on, but stop and wait and see if there is literally an answer. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's powerful when that happens, and, and you can get an answer. Uh, don't want any booming voices or angelic beings filling my living room. That would scare me to death. But we can look to those answers, and I think that's almost one of the, the things that we just maybe are sometimes unwilling to accept that God would do for us. Why wouldn't he? Is there anything we wouldn't do for our children? We'll always give them an answer. We'll always try and help. Ken, did you have a thought? To me, this prayer shows that we must be humble before him. We are nothing in ourselves. God, powerful beyond all of our broadest comprehensions, works in us and the church. And by doing his works, we will glorify God through Jesus. But it, it's not us, it's him giving us the power and us listening and obeying. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to close uh, with our last question. Question 12. What might God do in and through you as a community? So through us as a community and then through us as individuals. What could God do? What might he do? It's an opportunity to just throw out ideas. What could he do through us as individuals, as a church community? We think. And you can't just say everything. That's cheating. Oh, man, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, keep going the way we go in the sense of maybe a few more people will be watching this today. Um, if a message is getting out there online, YouTube, whatever, um, just trying to get that, that message of Matthew 28 out to the world, you know, preach the message, the gospel, unto all the world to the end of time. So let's, let's just keep going, and, and if we can find ways of improving that, let's do that. And let's uh, keep doing this with uh, the love of Christ. Yep. yep. Other thoughts? This is a tricky one. Another one I thought uh, when Mark was giving his answer there was uh, what, what we're about to do. Um, I think you guys may have seen in your email last night, this morning that we're going to be doing a Super Sabbath weekend coming up at, uh, at Passover, Unleavened Bread time. You know, that's, that's we've done it before. That's not, that's not a uh, stretch goal, as they say in the business world, right? But for some, you know, for some of us, that's, that's extra work, and that's something that we need God's help with, um, and we're definitely open to volunteers, so anybody who wants to, to help out. But more like that, right? I think I remember the conversation that we had about trying to uh, pivot the feast to Tulsa last last year. I was like, "Can we really? Can we really get this done? We got it done. Who got it done? The God that can do way more than we can think, uh, and even throw out to ask. So." Maybe we don't have some good answers, maybe individually as, or as a church community, but let's think about this question some more. What is it that we could do? What is it that he wants us to do? Where does he want us to, to go as a church community? Um, because he's able to take us beyond that. And so, you know, I'd, I'd just ask us all to, to think about that and to, to think about it especially individually too. Because we certainly get you know, comfortable. Fran? And then Ken. I think even having the services in Stroud, the opportunity that our church has to facilitate or help facilitate it, to give others who may not be able to be come that far to church, give them a place that they can worship. Yeah. 
כן. The mission for us has really never changed. Just share the good news of God's coming kingdom, what he has in mind. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. All right. Let's close the prayer. Eternal Father, we just thank you for this. Uh, this last lesson that we've we've done father some difficult questions in here some difficult questions maybe to answer personally and maybe some answers that we're unwilling to share but we know that that these questions that you have uh, provided for us in this study help us to understand you understand your word understand your plan and more importantly father understand just a little bit more of the incredible love that you have for each and every one of us Father, I just pray that you would help us to carry that in our mind and, and be rooted and grounded in your love. That we would remember more frequently than we do where, where we are, who we are in. That we are in you and we're grounded in your son and we are your children and you love us. And that you want us to share that love in action, in, in words, in thoughts, in deeds. To, to everyone around us. Father, it's a very harsh world. It always has been. And this world is a dangerous place. But we pray that you would help us to understand that, that with you, we can accomplish anything that you set for us, that you set in our hearts, and that you lead us to, Father. And so just we just thank you for this Bible study time. We ask that you bless us as we continue to to study this book and the beautiful words that you had Paul write down so very long ago. We're just grateful for these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.